America! <laughs> this is Lou Al Lou. Um, the recording you're about to listen to, I'm going to be right up front with you, it is not one of our best. Among other follies, the three of us did not coordinate well what adventure it was that we were going to be reviewing. I think this was mostly my fault. Thomas had said, hey, let's look at Against the Slave Lords, and my ears heard, hey, let's look at Against the Giants. So I prepared G1, the uh, the steading of the Hill Giant Chief. Meanwhile, they prepared A1, the Slave Pits of the Undercity. So we did not have the same materials ready at the beginning of it. On top of that, um, both of us, our jobs have kind of changed somewhat due to COVID, somewhat on Thomas's part due to promotion. We're working lots of hours. I'm trying really hard to finish up a uh, quick start rule set for the Dare Luck Club uh, campaign, the, the campaign book, to try to launch it out prior to kickstarting that uh, RPG. And needless to say, among other things, we just we were not hitting on all cylinders during the recording. So I want to apologize in advance. We really, uh, man, we just we love you listeners. Uh, it's been amazing to see just how many people have been listening to the podcast and sending us feedback. And uh, I feel like I kind of let you down on this one, especially since it's been such a long wait since our last recording. That in mind, if you stay tuned to after the program, I threw on an extra about 20 minutes here telling you a little bit more in depth about G1, giving it the whole this old dungeon treatment that we didn't really get a chance to give it during the actual episode. Thank you for being a listener, and uh, we, we look forward to giving you more quality content in the future. Hang on with us, please. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Hi, this is Bob, 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 And now, it's time for the show, This Old Dungeon, the show where grognards go to get their grog on. Lieutenant Dubas, we're going to get a lot of stuff done, or he kicks my ass, or it'd be awesome. Featuring your hosts. I'm Briggie, I'm Thomas's wife, and I'm the noob. Somebody here call a carpenter? Uh, this is Thomas, husband to Briggie. And uh, let's see, I work for a library, I write, I draw, I paint, I do all of this, but none of it very well. The truth is, I can always find games, though. This is Lou Alvin. I could charitably call myself a game designer and game publisher, but definitely a veteran role player of 35 plus years. We work on it the rest of the night. We get it together. We can do this, right? There's no way in hell we can do it. All right, you have arrived at this old dungeon. I'm Lou Alou. This is Thomas. This is Briggy. All right. What is today's date? I don't even know. This is what... Uh, September 12th, something like that? 913. 913. Yeah, the 13th, yeah. Ah, very good. So, uh, what's going on new for you guys in the world of gaming? Um, 
trying to even, you know, even before the whole COVID thing happened, trying to get a game together was really rough, but it, it had been good. Um, our Ravenloft game has kind of crapped out since school started up again, and I've got a, mm-hmm. uh, I got a promotion at the library, so I don't have the time I used to have. Um, but as far as new gaming, we're, Briggy and I are playing a lot more like board game stuff, card game stuff. I played some hero clicks today at a local comic shop that also does some games. I got my butt handed to me, but, um, you know, I haven't really played it and haven't played it in a long time. So, you know, I've got a learning curve. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you have any almost moments where like something really good happened or, uh, you made some. Yeah, actually, because uh, it was a booster draft of the new Spider-Man uh, set, Spider-Man Absolute Carnage. And so I, we you know, each buy two boosters, and I got two super rares. I was the one who got the super rares in the booster, so that, you know, and I'm the new guy, so that was awesome. <laughs> I got the Red Goblin, which is like a Carnage version of the Green Goblin. I don't read the current Spidey comics and stuff. I'm grognard in my comics, too. Um, but anyway, uh, but it was pretty cool. Uh, you know, it's kind of self-explanatory. Well, it's Carnage and Green Goblin all in one. Okay, I don't even need to read the comics. I get it. Um, <laughs> and then I got I got Penny, who is the she was the the anime character with the big robot in the uh, Edge of the Spider Verse movie. Um, so that's the other super rare, and that one was awesome because her defense is 18 all the way. Beginning to the absolute end, and she has all this stuff that you know she has super senses and uh, uh, shape change. So even if they connected a hit, there's a really good chance they weren't going to hit me. And I just that character lasted, and la- everything else got wiped off the board. But Penny <laughs> hung in there, so that was pretty cool. And next week I'm going back. Uh, we just play on Sundays. Uh, and it's not a booster draft this time. It's going to be uh, uh, Golden Age. So it's 200 points of Marvel characters, 200 points of DC characters, and then 100 points of whatever you want. So it's going to be a 500-point game, and I'm looking forward to that because I'm going to use some of the characters I've had but never really had a chance to use because I have also just collected Heroclix because I like them. But that's that's what's going on for me. So, uh, Briggy, what have you been doing while the rooster's out of the roost? Uh, <laughs> nothing unusual. <laughs> um, so, I guess in regards to like gaming, I'm doing a lot of online gaming. Um, I have other projects going on where I, I'm uh, social media is taking up a lot of my time at the moment so um <laughs> i got a lot going on so i mean gaming isn't like on my mind although i like gaming i'm irritated about the family game but i mean i'm not um i don't want um thomas to work so hard on it and then people really not care i'd rather um you know we play with with people that want to play and they're just kind of probably just played out or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad we at least got that amount of time um, and had them, I don't know, a couple months worth. It was good. It was really good. I think Timmy though, he would play with us anytime, but um, yeah, I'm doing some online gaming right now. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd ask Tim if he wanted to do some online Star Trek stuff, but his schedule bounces around so much. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's some rhyme and reason to it. I think that if you, it, uh, you know, him being who he is, it's a lot of reminding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel for you. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, I feel for you guys. Uh, I was telling Thomas before we started recording that uh kind of had the same thing happen. We were going pretty strong on some uh, basic and expert edition D&D stuff with the kids here at the house. And uh, about a month and a half ago or whatever, just kind of died out. We got to a point, and then uh, we are going to play again the next week, and things happened. And next thing you know, it's been two months, and nobody really remembers where we were at or what we were doing kind of thing. Uh, so I get that. It's kind of a sad Sad moment when a game dies. Personally, I've been trying a yeah. game, but uh, just been really busy. Um, been working on the the project there with the Dare Luck Club. I'm trying to get a a quick play module out and on drive through here by the end of the month. So I've been busting tail, doing layout, getting some art done, eliciting some art from some different people, and uh, that's just been a black hole of time. Just that and social media, like you pointed out, I, I get on Facebook and the next thing I know, like an hour's passed and it's, I don't even know where it went to. So. Yeah, that's the way it is with me with like Instagram, which is also a Facebook thing. You know, I'll look at, oh, suddenly I'm looking at old vintage toys or puppies or, <laughs> or old TV show stuff or, you know. Uh, Star Trek, whatever, and I'm just like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. Okay, okay. Next thing I know, I'm like, oh, it's been an hour. I'm just looking at pictures and, you know. All right. Um, so uh, I guess we're going to move into the next segment. Okay. Yes. Go and tell your master that we have been charged by God with a sacred quest. Real quest. All right, for Grail Quest, what are we looking for in gaming this week? Uh, this month, whatever uh, portion of time you want to call it, um, who's got something? Uh, anything I can get. Uh, <laughs> that's you know that's what I'm looking at right now. Um, I've been introduced to Dungeon Crawl Classics through you, and then Mikey mm-hmm. Mason, the professional comic and geek um, music guy, all that. Um, just listening to a podcast with him. I know him, but I you know I don't see him all that often, but. Um, he extolled the virtues of it. You extolled the virtues of it. And I'm, I I just went and bought the book, and I love what I read in here. And I would love to just get a chance to try it out as a player. Mm-hmm. But trying to get that done has been difficult. So right now I'm just like, like I said, we're focusing on board games and the things we can do. Yeah. yeah. The, the, about the only games I've been playing lately have been board games myself. I just uh, role-playing, where have thou gone? Oh, I know, right? Allison, you got anything yeah, you're looking I mean, for? I mean, uh, anything that I'm looking for right now? Yeah. Uh, time for gaming. <laughs> that would be all what I am looking for right now. But I mean, this month is just going to be really super busy. Um, you know, I started my uh, small business, and part of it is to have a Facebook group and. Um, my friend and I have joined together to do a self-care September and every week is a challenge. Um, and we're wrapping up the second week 
and there's prizes to give out and we're on we go on facebook lives in these groups and it's crazy so time (laughs) like today like when i was on my online gaming you know I happen to be able to jump in and actually be on Discord with some of my, you know, uh, guildies. And they're like, yeah, we're on usually from 6 to 8 every day. And I'm like, yeah, 6 to 8 for me is really busy (laughs) most days. In fact, it's very rare that I can um, get on. So, yeah, it's time. Time right now. Yeah, I get off work. Uh, I I work really close to home now. I get off at 6. I come home. I'll help with dinner. Blah, blah, blah. We clean up and then, you know, I just want to veg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, man, I tell you, I, I feel you all the way. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I've been doing side jobs to try to earn extra money to pay for the art for the book. <laughs> and so it's like, right. you know, uh, burning the candle at both ends sort of thing. I'll, I'll come home and be like, I need to need to draw a little something for the book or I need to work on layout. But I've just worked, you know, my second job to you know, and it's, yeah. So I, I get that, man. It's... Yeah. Well, last weekend I did sit down and I did quite a bit of art. Um, yes, you okay, did. Here's something, <laughs> um, here's something I'm, I'm looking forward to is I am entering. I have two pieces drawn. I am entering the uh, Goodman Games Dungeon uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics, Mutant Crawl Classics, whatever you want to call it. Um, the Goodman Games Sticker Contest. So I've got two pieces drawn up for that. Uh I'm going to submit those. Um, I've done some pieces for your book. I did yes. you know, the helmet was done. I worked on the, the gum thing, and then I worked on the octopus piece. Folks, uh, I can't I wait. Another... Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. And then I got another idea I want to sketch out and send to you. And it's it's I don't want I don't want to tell you. I want you to see it when I'm done. <laughs> I can't wait because uh, uh, for those of you listening. When the, when the actual rule book comes out, because it's not going to be in the the quick start adventure, it's going to be an actual rule book. This uh, this little kind of sidebar piece that uh, Thomas is doing for me with this octopus, it is probably the coolest little. I don't know how to describe it. It's because it's not you know I, I was like hey Thomas I got these spot pieces you know you're an awesome artist you mind doing some pieces for me. Uh, and uh, this one just Which, like I, I, thank you, but I'm more of a cartoonist than I am an artist. But yeah, eh, one and the same, right? Uh, cartoon is art. Yeah, yeah, thank you, but you know. But uh, no, it's uh, I mean, all, all three of the pieces pieces you've shown me that you've done are, are amazing. But that octopus one, man, I don't know what it is about it, but I just I love that one. <laughs> uh, well, I kind of composed it like a comic book panel, and hopefully, it tells a little story. Yeah. So look for that, folks. Their Luck uh, Club rule book. And I don't know what page it'll be on. That's still in the process. But uh, anyhow. Um, yeah, uh, as far as what I'm looking for, I, I think, man, I'm everything you guys have said and then some, some time, some games. <laughs> uh, you know, the uh, – oh, I'll tell you what. I, uh, another thing that sucked away a bunch of my time that I, I wish I just kind of put off is I've, I got a uh, 3D printer, and it had – had an issue. Yeah, well, this actually, I got it way back in the beginning of the summer, and I thought, oh, this is perfect with the COVID thing. I'll be, you know, able to monkey with this a whole bunch. Well, it broke within the second printing, and finally, the company oh. that, uh, that that made it finally just a few weeks ago was like, oh yeah, we'll finally, you know, we'll we'll go ahead and uh, here's a label, ship it to us. We'll ship you a new one. So they shipped me a new one. So I started working on it, but uh, it's one of these things where. 
And, and you know, the, I'm sure it'll get better as I go, but but there's just this huge learning curve. And like every time you print something, like you, you something's just not quite right, so you got to adjust something in the way it prints. And uh, it's it's a whole art to itself. So it's it's definitely not been you know in my mind is like oh yeah you know I've got this stuff I bought off of Fat Dragon Games and I'll just just hit print and have all these dungeon pieces and miniatures and things but uh, it's not like that. <laughs> you know it's, Honey, who, who's messing with their mic I'm not oh okay I wonder if it's I'm mine I because I, I, I can't hear myself get a lot of feedback yeah okay yeah. yeah keep hearing well I'm gonna like that. I'm going to move my mic cord way away. No, I appreciate it because I'm not hearing anything, so it must be my mic. I'm going to move my mic cord. It sounds like somebody's adjusting it over and over again. All right. So I'm trying not to interrupt, but I think that'll work. No, I appreciate it because it's going to make it darn near impossible to to edit if uh, it's all. All right. Yeah, if it's all. Let me know if it keeps going on. I've moved my cord way away from me because I think I was bumping it. Uh, you might have a little short in it. Short in yeah, yeah. Take your cord a little and let's test it. How about that? Anything? No. This? No, nothing. Right there? Nothing. Nothing. Huh. Weird. Yeah, oh, and that's Dudley, our cat. Yep, Dudley. <laughs> but so I guess uh, okay. going back to the 3D printing, my grail quest would be uh, to, to, to find the perfect settings for these. Uh, these uh, Fat Dragon game files so that I don't have to keep monkeying with all the all the different temperatures and times and thicknesses to try to get it to print perfect. Yeah, I mean, I've I've I know a few people who have a 3D printer and there's some really cool stuff I've seen done with that. I've bought a few pieces here and there. I've seen some cool stuff at like a couple of different conventions, mm-hmm. um, and they're cool. It's it's still to the point. It's almost uh, it's a science. But it's a little more into the alchemy yet. It has, you know, <laughs> yeah. the average person is not to that point. It's not like on Star Trek, you go up and it's like, uh, you know, go up to the replicator and get something. Although that is the basic idea behind it. Yeah, one of these days. All right. Well, let's uh, let's keep on trucking on. Uh, yeah. We we do not have any emails or uh, letters. For the uh, the letters to Which the homeowners. Which is disappointing. It I is. love the emails and letters. Keep emailing us. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, we, we are on. We must have lost our one fan. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, but uh, I tell you, folks, if you have anything uh, you would like us to review, any comments on our shows, anything you would like to uh, ask us, uh, the email is thisolddungeon at gmail.com. Uh, fired away we'd love to either get an email from you or if you want to send us a uh, a little wave file or, or mp3 file or what have you we can we can play it on air here uh, loving to hear from people it, it's been so nice the last couple episodes to have somebody write in it, it is a little bit of a letdown I, I got a little tear rolling down my <laughs> cheek right now uh, we have no one today um, oh, I will give a shout out uh, shout out to some other podcasts I always like you know, pimping other people's stuff, that people who do good work. Uh, I've recently come across the podcast. It's just amazing. It's called the Gagman Podcast. Have you guys heard of this? No. No. So I, I have no idea why they chose that title, but it's a group of, uh, well, it kind of rotates. It's about three individuals, and they basically create an adventure on air. Like they come up with like a plot, and then they kind of try to, 
you know, uh, flesh it out with characters and things. And, uh, it's so far, I mean, I've gotten a lot of really good, I mean, I wouldn't take exactly what they have, uh, presented, but I've gotten a lot of good little granules to, to run from, uh, from the podcast. And they're really funny. Really. I mean, they're like all, I don't know that they're professional comedians, but they're, they're definitely, uh, some of them are in the world of entertainment. So nice. Cool. How about you guys? You got anything new you're listening to? Um, I've been listening to um, – I've actually never met him, but I'm friends with him, Mike Brodor. Oh, yeah. Uh, he just goes by Brodor most of the time. He has – it's called the Influence Foundation uh, at goinfo.org. He's part of the Fear the Boot podcast. He's one of the hosts. Um, I've been listening to a lot of the interviews that he's been doing. He's uh, trying to make his way as a uh, gaming journalist, and he has experience in the gaming industry from the retail side of things casting side of things um and back um well back in august when gen con was supposed to take place he was going to come here and do a bunch of interviews and different things and he had his hotel room booked he went ahead and came here to indianapolis and met with a couple of different people um i know he met with the uh one of the managers and owners out at saltier games out in the lawrence area um did an interview with him, did an interview with Mikey um, and stuff like that. But I've been listening to him a lot and it's been, it is not safe for work stuff to listen to. <laughs> yeah. Let me just tell you right now. It just, cause he doesn't, you know, it's, it's how he is. He just talks how he talks. He doesn't edit it. And uh, that's been really interesting because he has some very, uh, very cogent points and having been in the industry from the retail side of things uh, and his brother, um, Bob Brodor has worked in it professionally, so he has a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, I I, I love those uh, podcasts and his site. Uh, it, uh, it, it's really neat because he does kind of show you how the sausage is made. I mean, it's it's really interesting. And I'm fascinated with that stuff, whether it's in comics or you know uh, writing for TV or or whatever. I, yeah, I'm into that. Riggy, you got any good listens? Not not in in the world of gaming usually. No. Um, uh, I like, I mean, it's just, I've listened to Fear the Boo, um, with Thomas, I enjoy it a lot. It's very good. Uh, I also listen to Mikey Mason's sometimes, his podcast. Um, and he does a live show, doesn't he? Like it, every first Friday or something like that. Yeah, he, um... There's a few live shows. He's not necessarily, he's probably singing more about gaming and geek stuff than, um, you know, talking about games specifically. But, um, yeah, his shows are fun. He also does like a trivia show for the Fickle Peach out in uh, Muncie, since they're not fully open yet, I don't believe. Or maybe they are now, but I can't, I don't think they were. Anyway, it's uh yeah, so I listen to him. He's a lot of fun. Very good. Well, we've done a public service anyhow, since we didn't get you any email. We've given you all some stuff to listen to, and I think we'll move on to our uh, primary uh, piece here: this soul dungeon. This old dungeon. Supposed to blow the bloody 
All right, folks, so uh, in this episode of This Old Dungeon, uh, I totally screwed up. Thomas and I no, had no, a conversation. No, I screwed up. <laughs> eh, one of us did. I don't know. But anyhow, uh, there were some definite uh, shorts in our communication. Uh, I thought we had talked about doing uh, Against the Giants as a three-part series. And Thomas thought we had talked about doing the Slave Lords as a three-part series. And so we both four prepared, or four-part yeah, series, yeah. 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 Uh, and so we uh, we both prepared two totally opposite adventures. Uh, so we're going to, Briggy kind of saved the day and said, well, why don't you, both the adventures were originally tournament adventures, tournament modules. Uh, so right. why don't you kind of use that as the, the bridge to span the gap there? So uh, that's, we're going to do that. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the adventures to start with, to kind of set the stage for those of you that maybe... Uh, aren't familiar with them and then we'll talk about tournament play and go from there see what happens sounds good to me all right thomas you want to start us off with the uh with, what's the first one slaver stockade nope nope what is it uh what is it briggy you have it in front of you it uh, is slave pits of the, of the under city. city yes 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 just kind of funny because i really want to say slave pits of the underarm but um <laughs> armpits of the sleeves because it's armpits i mean uh, you know that somebody, sounds like a dungeon somebody, called classics version of it yeah well somebody has a sense of humor anyway when they're <laughs> writing that name anyway <laughs> anyway yeah Makes so me wonder the if they added, you know, when they were writing it back in the early yeah. 70s, you know. Yes. Um, so so who who wrote this one? Yes, who wrote this one? David Cook. Okay. Wait a minute, that I can see. I mean, it says David Cook on there. I don't see any other Wait a minute. Names. Are you, uh, I got to ask, are you looking at the compilation the against the slave lords? Like no, it, we, no, I have each individual module well, of this series. Interesting. I thought that, uh, no. So Man. the dungeon module A1, Slave Pits of the Undercity, parentheses, arm, parentheses, um, is by David Cook, an adventure for characters of levels four through seven. And, and then, Thomas, this is one that you guys ran at the, uh, un, the uh, non-con, right? Yeah, it was, uh, it was, was it last year or the year before? Anyway, so it's kind of fresh in my head. Um, anyway, from I a thought tournament you played it, Louis, with us. I thought you did. Uh, no, yeah. I did not make it, it to this It was like one. there was the bridge and then there was the wagon. No, I don't. Okay. I didn't. Well, uh, this was one of the, the years I, I had to miss, I think. Okay. I have played it. Well, I do own it, but I, I don't remember playing it with you guys. Sorry. Well, I have a copy of the tournament map in front of me, and there is so much that's taken out of this module for the tournament map. Um, because tournament maps are made to just move. Uh, not tournament maps, but tourney games are made to move. You know, you don't spend a lot of time doing a lot of investigating and stuff like that. Um, so I, I created pre-gen characters. I, I wrote them up when I came up with this. I put them right on notebook paper and put the notebook paper right on the copier so everyone had a uh, a character sheet that was on uh, notebook paper, more or less. Um, I remember it was it was a lot of fun, um, and it was I did it timed. We had four hours. If after four out, where, wherever you got after four hours, that's where you were, and that's what you did with the tourney game. Um, and you know, 
correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Lou, but they're really uh, tournament games really aren't done the way they used to be anymore. Yeah, there, I mean, there's few and far between uh, to begin with, anyhow. I mean, as far as tournament games go, but but yeah, the way that yeah. they're held is definitely different than what it used to be. Right, because how and how they would do it is they would do scoring, and it used to be a thing that you know they had a way to score these games where you could actually be competitive, and how the scoring works is it depends on how many characters survived, how many rooms you managed to get through, and then. What were some of the goals in each room? Like in one room, did you find this item that was there? Did you defeat this trap or this monster? Or did you fight some of them? Uh, if anyone cast a certain spell to get through the trap or the monsters or whatever, and those gave you buffs, extra points to your score. Um, so... In our game, and I'm just, you know, speaking, I'll let Briggy talk about the, the module there. But in sure. our game, I think we had, what we have? Six people playing. We had yes. four, we had four survived. Uh, and they got through nine. I don't, I don't think I was one of them. No, I don't think you were. So they got through, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> they got through nine rooms, which gave their score of 380. But then there was the, the scoring adjustments for each room. I still have the original sheet. I found it in the module. Um, room one plus four attempting to find a trap. So they got four points there. They did that. Uh, in room three, there's three that you could do. Uh, you lose points also for uh, not doing things. Uh, lost four points for sending one character in alone. Well, y'all did that. Um, you you could lose four points for attempting to use a sleep spell because if I'm correct, if I remember, room three had a bunch of ghouls in it. I mean, there was no rhyme or reason to it, but uh, it had ghouls in it, and but no one tried to do the sleep spell, which is good because it wouldn't have worked on ghouls. Uh, but right. then they did get four points for attempting to turn undead because they were ghouls. So that's one way it goes. Uh, four and five A and B, because uh, it's not all the rooms. Um, they got plus four for using missile or uh, avoid direct contact. So they use like th their bows and arrows in room 12. Yeah, and so once you add all of this up, uh, they came away from the tournament with 408 points. Uh, and it was funny because I remember when we ran this, and I think it'd be great if, if maybe we could get back to that old style of grognardy gaming. Um, I don't see Wizards of the Coast and D&D uh, taking that step. They're, it's just not going to go that way. I can see Goodman Games maybe do something they, like that. They do. They uh, they run uh, or have up till this year, and maybe even this year. I don't know with the online stuff. But, but they have a, uh, a Gen Con tournament that they do for Dungeon Crawl Classics each year. Right, because they have that big gong and stuff. Yeah. And if your character gets killed, you get to go up and ring the gong and... And that's a great. And they got the uh, big, uh, the big wrestler belt kind of thing, the you know world champion wrestler belt that you get if you're the the winner of the tournament. So. Yeah, so that was cool. But um, uh, but yeah, I think that would just be so fun. But uh, you know, I don't I don't see most quote modern gaming going back that way. But it was a lot of fun. Um, I had a lot of fun creating the characters for it too, and everyone had a lot of fun playing it. And like I was saying, sorry to get back onto my point. Um, everyone that was playing were not what I would call regular gamers or they weren't mm. old school gamers. We had, uh, someone that I worked with came 
And yeah. she brought her son and they played and they got into it and had a good time. We had uh, our son Al was involved in it. You played. Um, did I think maybe Tim was there? I don't remember for sure. But everyone got into it knowing that they I had a time. I thought Beef played, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh, but... Beef. Yeah, Beef was probably there. Um, but uh, I think everyone really got into, you know, we've got X amount of time to get this done. And they really got into that. They loved the the countdown, and they wanted to do as is they wanted to get as far as they can and get through as many traps and kill as many monsters. And you know, they were really into it. And I think it'd be a great way to reintroduce uh, a great thing to reintroduce this to modern gaming. It's a lot of fun. But like I said, I don't see Wizards going that route. But Goodman Games definitely. And you know, it was a lot of fun. So, yeah. I- I've never at a uh, big convention. I've never participated in a tournament no- module, not at yeah, like Gen either. Con or Origins or anything like that. But uh, but I've read a lot of stuff people have written about it. And uh, to me, the thing that just sounds really cool is how they would, in the olden days, anyhow, they would post on the walls with you know printout sheets uh, who made it from one round to the next round of the tournament and. Uh, you know, it'd almost be like, you know, looking to see if you got the part in the play or whatever. You know, people would run up to the wall as they were being posted and look for their group's name to see if they had made it or not. Uh, and uh, the, the thing that I always hear people talk about, specifically with the Slavers series, is that uh, later in the series, it was designed that everybody got captured. And so everyone that was playing it, they didn't know that, of course. When they were playing it and they got captured, they thought, oh, man, we're out of the tournament. And then when they posted it, and all you know, all those groups went on to the final round. Uh, that was yeah. like a real big, you know, like oh, oh no, we made it. It was you know, it wasn't, wasn't uh, you know bad playing or whatever. It was a, a built-in mechanic of the story. Uh, so that, that just seems cool to me. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember the the undercity there. I remember there was a kind of a cool trap, or a, maybe it wasn't a trap. Maybe it was just a feature. With like a lodestone or something like that, does this strike a bell with you? Like where um, there's like this magnet that's behind a wall and it causes camera if it like attracts characters um, in armor or something. I that might be, and I don't remember it because I it just I I don't. But that might be on the there's a sewer level to this. Yes, also. it was yeah. down. Yeah, it was the, the lower underneath. Um, and you know, for the tournament, uh, I, I just don't think ran we it. got down to the tournament. That part, I do remember the um, the secret door spike trap piece because it took us a minute to figure it out. Oh, well, now that's an interesting thing about that. And that's what's fun about these old school modules is that spike bar trap. It's it's literally in the entrance to get into the into the dungeon of this. And it's a spike bar trap. So it's like you go in and it's wow. I'm trying to think think of it like a, a swinging bar that comes flying out with spikes on it and yep. would impale someone. Uh, you yeah. see it, they use something like that in the Conan the Barbarian movie, the first one with Arnold. Uh, it's a great graphic scene with that. But anyway, mm-hmm. this is for four. What What's the level range on this, Briggy? Four to seven. Four to seven. So, yeah. And in tournaments sometimes, uh, they, it's not roll for damage, it's set damage. Like the first person to encounter this, it's going to be a set damage. Then you'll roll three to eighteen points. Right. Says, three any, to eighteen. Any, uh, characters standing in the doorway will take three to eighteen points of damage. 
so uh, for it, tournament use, 13. So, right, so it's a set 13. For tournament, it was definitely 13 Yeah, points. they tried to do that to, to be fair to all the players playing, that there wasn't, you know, that the dice didn't screw one person over specifically, you know. Yeah, a big, and it's a, so the thief, because it's a secret door, um, so if it's a thief or maybe if they're doing, uh, maybe it's a dwarf yes. trying to do the stone thing or something like that, bam, 13 points right off the bat. And then, you know, if you weren't playing tournament and you just, you know, you rolled, you know, the, the, uh, 3d six, if it maxed out, you could be down one thief before you've gotten through the first freaking room. <laughs> well, and it says here, if a thief successfully detects traps, he or she will discover the trigger rope on the other side. So you had to actually think you were going to detect this first. Yeah, if you don't declare it, it's not up yeah. to the dungeon master to be. Are you sure? No. <laughs> uh, you know, you're 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 not going to make it. So if so, if the right out of the gate, if the thief detected this, or you know, was trying to, uh, what do we what do we call it? Call it um, detect traps, and then I guess figure it out. You would be able to get. Um, that info and then get through without the bar. Yeah. Yeah. So, but what's cool about this, uh, the tournament part of this is as you go through, um, you go through this, there's, uh, there's a lot of traps. There's a lot of time wasters that happen in here. Which um, is really like the, the, the hardest next... element you're up against in these tournaments is, is time. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's and what they're trying to do is like, oh, you're burning time here. And I remember a couple of times, and I, uh, you guys went into a room, and you didn't see anything immediately. Uh, and Beave was the one who did this. He'd be like, okay, I don't see anything in here. Do we want to? Let's not waste time. Let's go. Let's go. And he would like drive the the the, the kind of became team captain, and he just yeah. kept everyone moving. It's yeah. like, oh, there's nothing in here. Nope, I, there's not even anything to search. Nope, let's go, let's go. Nope, out, 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 let's go, go, go. You know, and that's what kind of what he did. Mm -hmm. And that helped them quite a bit. You needed that one person because, you know, back then and even now, you know, old school gaming versus new school gaming, you go in there and, you know, I describe the room and you say, well, I'm going to check the bookshelf and I'm going to check this chest here. I'm going to check the bed. And so you make your rolls and stuff. But now with the new school gaming, it's like, well, I'm going to do a detect traps roll. Okay, how are you doing it? You know, there's no role play into it sometimes. You just make a role. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to check something. Make a role. I'm going to do this. You kind of have to guide the characters more with this old school gaming, and that's what I like about it. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of stuff in tournaments that are – they're really designed to screw the players over because it's a competition. They want it to be hard. Like now you'll get people who will fudge dice rolls behind the screen because they don't want to be too tough on the players. I get it. It's for story driven games mm -hmm. and no one wants to, you know, get killed in a dungeon crawl on the first door. But, you know, that could happen in this. Um, and, you know, I, I, I like the investment of the players uh, into the characters more. Mm -hmm. And I think it'd be almost a great I mean, I think if I paid money to play in a game at Gen Con and I got killed in the first door and now I'm out the bucks in the four hour slot, I'd be kind of mad about that. But, um, you know, but then I would maybe just hand the person, well, here's another character, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's definitely just a, a whole nother, uh, 
whole other mindset going into a tournament game versus signing up for you know your average game because I mean you are you're basically wanting to test your D and D skills you know can you win at D and D you know uh, which is a whole other thing so I I get what you're saying I mean you know if, if I died right out of the bat I would I would be mad at myself I'd be like ah you know but but it's I'd have a different expectation in that situation than I would if I just signed up for some, you know, fun, you know, just one-shot game, you know, at a convention and I got killed off. Then I'd be a little upset because, like, no, you know, this was supposed to be about entertainment and I'm not entertained, <laughs> you know, whereas for the, uh, the the tournament module, this is about, you know, skill and this is about... Uh, How well do you know the game? Yeah. Ooh. I think we had a little feedback on that one. We get a lot. There's a lot going on. There's just. All right. I think I've discovered the nature of our problem. Movement. I think my uh, computer's microphone is still on, even though I'm wearing a headset microphone, which will make uh, editing oh. a bit interesting. Because I had a piece of paper sitting over where the microphone is. Oh, okay. Because I just kept hearing like. So here, let, let's put it to test. Here, does this sound bad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what it. it. Is. All right, well, that sucks, but we'll see how it turns out. Maybe this will be salvageable. Uh, so um, on my end of things, I thought we were doing against the Giants, so I have prepared uh, the first of that series, which was the steading of the Hill Giant uh, Chief, G1 as it's known. Uh, so this was created in 1978 for the uh, Origins uh, Convention. It was the tournament module for that convention, uh, this and the other two against the giant modules, the, uh, uh, what are the other two, the Rift of the Frost Giant Jarl and the, uh, I got it right here in front of me, I'm just going to cheat, uh, and then the one with the Fire Giants, uh, the, uh, let's see, it is, uh, the Glacial Rift of the Frost Giant Jarl, and the Fire Giant one is the Hall of the Fire Giant King. Uh, so those three modules were the three rounds of the tournament play for Origins 1978. Interestingly enough, I mean, these, uh, these modules hit the store that same year, which I think is how they did it back then with a lot of the modules. They just kind of designed them, ran them at the conventions to test them out, and then published them. Um, I have it in the version where it was collected, all three of them together, but you can get it separately. And then later on down the road, they published them uh, in conjunction with the uh, Descent into the Depths series uh, as one big super module called Queen of the Spiders. Um, so just to, to kind of rewind a minute, so TSR put these three modules and then three more modules that together are called Descent into the Depths, which included... Um, Oh, now I can't remember. I included the Sh Descent into the Depths, Shrine of the Katoa, and uh, City of Drow. No. Uh, anyhow, I'm, I'm butchering it all. Anyhow, they took these three, they took those three, and then they wrote an epic conclusion uh, called the, the Queen of the Demon Web Pits, and they put them I all together. I do that one. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Uh, interestingly enough, that was one of the first modules I bought, <laughs> which was kind of crazy. But, I mean, when I first got into gaming, I didn't know anything. Like, I... I bought the hardcover Oriental Adventures thinking that it was a book of adventures. <laughs> and then when I got home, I'm like, oh, there's no adventures in this, uh, you know, because I already had the player handbook, player's handbook, so I didn't, 
was like, I need something to play. I need, you know, adventures. Uh, but uh, so I, I bought it just because I was like, oh, that sounds like a cool game. And I didn't even look at the the fact that it was for like, I can't even remember now, like 12th level characters or something like that. But um, at any rate, um, so uh, the, uh, the steading of the Hill Giant Chief, I have actually never played this particular game. I've played the Queen of the Demon Web Pits, and I've played some of the Descent and the Depths. Uh, yeah, me too. But uh, reading through it, um, it the, the, the way they've presented it in the module is not set up with the tournament rules, but it does mention that it was a tournament game. Um, more or less, you are a group of adventurers who are sent by the uh, city chief or whatever, uh, to go investigate these hill giants that have been making war upon the humankind, or the, I guess, the demi-humans. Um, and you go, and they've got this basically, a uh, this big, uh, oh, what do you call them, stockade kind of thing. You know, big fort made out of these giant three-foot diameter, you know, uh, logs. And it's, I mean, it's, the biggest part of the game is trying to figure out how to infiltrate that fortress and take down the hill giants. And then you're also, I guess all the giants are starting to kind of team together, all the, the evil giants anyhow. And so there's the question of, you know, why is this? You know, all the giant clans tend to, you know, stay apart from one another. They, they tend to have, you know, a lot of feuding between them, between like, you know, for example, the hill giants and the frost giants and the stone giants and all this. Uh, so, you know, what what's bringing them together? And uh, as you do some picking at that you start to uncover this trail that eventually leads you down into the the depths of the earth and then eventually to the the uh, the drow the the evil dark elves um there's not a lot in the adventure that tips towards or, or that you know leads the characters towards that there, there's just i mean literally only like two little clues that are put there and they don't really it's just basically a letter from this this person that uh her name's uh, Claudius, uh, Claude, no, I'm sorry, Claudra, I can't even read my own handwriting. Um, but, but there, there's nothing that's like, oh, this is some new form of elf or anything. Cause that was really, I mean, that was the thing with these modules is that they presented that. These are the first modules where it's like, hey, guess what? There's this whole group of underground elves that are, you know, uh, evil and that, you know, worship this spider lady and, um, I mean, that, that was the big reveal, but there's nothing until you get to that point in the, the sixth adventure that really demonstrates that. Um, later on, they would republish all this. Like I said, uh, in 1986, they republished it as one big super module called Queen of the Spiders. And in that, they actually did a good job of kind of relayering it and making it so that you start to suspect something leading up into that. Um, but... Uh, it's it's an interesting module. I mean, it's it, it's for uh, higher level characters. I think uh, they suggest uh, eight and above, which I can understand because there's like 23 of these giants and they all have you know 40 some hit points. Uh, and they're you know on top of that they've got like cave bear pets and all this other stuff, mana cores and things that are you know just you you you'd lose hit points fast going against them if you didn't do some smart uh, stealthy type attacks. Um, I, like I said, I would put more stuff in it to connect it to the, the plot with the drow if I was going to go in that direction. Uh, there's an elf prisoner in there. Um, 
it might be interesting if, if that elf mentioned something about, you know, the existence of dark elves that maybe it was, you know, one of these like mythologies that the, the elves believed in. And then this particular elf being prisoner actually witnessed one and knows that they're real now or whatever. Um, or it's the dark secret uh, pun. I'm sorry for the pun, but it's like the secret of the elves that they, they don't mention it. Yeah. You know what I mean, the, the black like, sheep no, of the elves families. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess this, uh, th this might be a, a chance. Uh, I don't, I don't know if we want to go into this or not. I guess this is dangerous waters, but, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, this, this whole, you know, you, you can't have an evil race in, in yeah. a fantasy world. Oh my goodness gracious. I don't know where you guys are on that page, but I'm just like, man, it's, it's fantasy. Do with it what you want. It, it sure makes I've it. I've always you know, added. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I've, I, I, I don't know about you, but I've always added that element of culture to a thing anyway. You yeah. know, uh, it, I don't know how else to describe it. It's, it's an element of culture. You would meet clans and tribes of orcs that were, you know, either peaceful or helpful or not or warlike. And maybe sometimes they're warlike because they have a reason to be. They've been mm -hmm. ill-treated. Uh, at the same time, I've also had elf races that I find to be very, you know, I've created them where they're helpful and they're at one with nature. And I've created them where they're elitist dicks, too, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I – you know, I, I think people are, are putting too much into it mm -hmm. that, oh, so a, an orc is a, a, an analog for this type of person uh, or whatever. Which I'm is like, not okay. Yeah, no. it's definitely not okay. I just – I've never in all my years of role-playing ever thought that, oh, that. this is an analog yeah. for these people. I mean I don't see any connection whatsoever. <laughs> I mean – No, but uh, I mean it's at this point in time, it just seems everybody is going to double-think everything yeah. and make up some kind of crap about it because it's just made up. For me as I mean, a – As far as I'm concerned. As you both know, a player – oh, sorry. D&D uh, – you can have a jerk orc and a jerk bard, and you know what I mean, uh -huh. or a cleric. It, both sides can be just as bad. Yeah, yeah. For me, as both a, a game master and a player, I, I like the idea that you can have these just like these fallen races, these races races that are in line with you know some evil god or created by some evil god. If we go like a Lord of the Rings type route. Um, where they're, you know, they can just be evil because then you don't have to go through every single battle going, well, should we talk this out? Should we, you know, you can have it like, okay, these people are evil. What they're doing must be a plot of some greater, you know, uh, it, I don't know. It just, it, it simplifies it and it's, it's the same reason I like Silver Age comic books. I mean, I, I get that it's kind of cool to have Batman be edgy or, you know, have a character like the Punisher where it's, you know. Um, one of these, uh, anti-hero kind of things, but, uh, but I really like, you know, good is good, bad is bad. And, and that part's already explained. Now we can move forward, you know? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. 100%. And if someone, and there has been that sort of thing out there. And if someone does take say an orc character, or we're not just going to say orc, we're going to say a troll or a goblin or, or a in this case, or whatever it is. <laughs> Giants, right? Um, you know, uh, you know, if if, if they're going to take something like that, 
and they're going to pr uh, project something that's racial or cultural or it's political or religious or whatever of these things that you want to add to this. Well, the odds are this is on that person. Yeah. And you know what? You have to ask yourself, do I want to game with this guy, this girl? Do I, you know, no, I, I don't think I do. I'm going to bow out. You know, it's like um, Fear the Boot will talk about this uh, in some role playing games. There there are certain things that people don't want to get into because the subject is taboo to them. Maybe it's violence against children. Maybe it's uh, sexual content. Maybe it's rape. Maybe it's, you know, and Whatever, you know, if yeah. you're an adult and you're doing telling, a, you know, a mature story, not an adult story, a mature story. But maybe some things you're like, I don't I don't want to cover that. I don't dig that. I, I you know, and so you know what you do? Right. You don't do that yeah it's simple as that if you had a maybe they were orcs maybe it was just a raiding party of pirates or vikings or whatever and they raise the town and it's burning there's people dead you know what you can do the algebra and say yeah there was probably rapes there were murders there's children that were killed there were this there was that mm -hmm. i don't have to paint the absolute picture yeah you know i can let you use your imagination to the point that you need to use it you know if your plot point is so you know, it's, you know, so if, dependent if you on those yeah. details, you know, okay. Are you into this? Are you into this gaming or did you just want some torture porn? <laughs> yeah. You know, oh and that's, well, I just read, uh, okay, this maybe we'll get, uh, uh, something, some mail for this. I just read and I deserve a star for this. <laughs> um, I just read, uh, Terry Goodkind's wizard's first rule. That thing was an abysmal piece of drudgery. Terrible. This guy's done 20 something no uh, novels in this series. Um, you know, it's absolutely terrible all the way to the bank. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was terrible. I mean, there was, there's graphic rape scenes that were uh, alluded to and, you know, like an attempted rape was going on. It didn't happen. There's violence against children. There's all these things. And, and it's, you know, and here's the thing. I'm not the only one who saw this. When I looked at the Goodreads reviews, my horrible one-star review was one of numerous <laughs> one-star reviews. There were some people that, you know, praised this thing as the second coming of Tolkien. And there were some people who were just like, uh. Tolkien would have burned his manuscript of Lord of the Rings if he knew that it was going to lead to this piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, one of the terms I used, uh, if you look up the Goodreads, it's chapter 41 of Wizard's First Rule is nothing more than torture porn. You know, Terry Goodkind is getting – I'm going to rant for a second. Terry Goodkind is getting off on his, his own jollies, his rape fantasies, his child you know, brutality fantasies, and passing mm -hmm. it off as fiction. You know, and at the, to tie it back into gaming, if you get someone that's really into that stuff, I got to question your morality, man. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, I've read, I've also read everything up to this point of Game of Thrones. I didn't watch all of the series, but I've read every book, okay? There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of sex. There's rape. There's all kinds of horrible things that happen in that. And, but Martin writes it in a way that doesn't come off so, uh, you know, it, I don't feel yucky after reading it. It's like, okay, <laughs> this is a thing that happened. This is a very realistic and brutal world. And that's the way it comes across. Good kind. I'm like, dude, are you like, are you writing for the hustler version on the dark web or what, man? It's, <laughs> I'm serious. So anyway, we got a little rant into a side. Hey, it's needed. But, um, yeah. 
you know, hey, if but hey, if you feel strongly enough about this that you know you want to equate orcs, kobolds, goblins, trolls, whatever of a you know certain thing, that, that's on you. But I'm not having any of it. Yeah. Yeah. So this, uh, like I said, this is the uh, kind of the, the modules that ushered in the idea of the the dark elves, the, yeah. the evil underground elves. And uh, I think if, if, if you're new to D&D, that might be a kind of cool thing to go through to, to have that revealed. But for those of us that have been around a while and know about it, you know, it's not – I don't think – it doesn't have quite the impact it would have had to the original players. And it doesn't have the impact anymore because of R.A. Salvatore either. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. He took that concept and said, no, they're not all evil, and he created this character, Drist. Yeah. You know, who's had so many novels and everything else, <laughs> you know, written about him in comics and games and stuff like that. You know, and so that everyone wants to play, you know, that now. Uh, and that's okay. Hey, you, if you're having fun and, and, you know, you're having fun, whatever. But yeah. Well, on the flip side of that, too, you get Slave Pitch to the Undercity. And if you – the the four modules get to be a little repetitive. But if you really – if you want to really get into this – you are going in there and you are going to stop the slavers. You're going to free people. You're going to stop the evil. You know, if you get through all of those modules, you're being heroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I kind of already told you this, but, uh, so, the, uh, what's it? The, uh, the queen of the spiders, the, the big super module that contains, what would it be? The seven modules in it, uh, from this full series. In the beginning of it, it actually talks about how, your characters are the ones that ended the uh, the tyranny of the slave lords. So it actually uses the the four modules of the slave series as kind of a, a segue, a prelude into this one. So uh, kind of interesting that, that you know even way back then they were thinking you know with these terms of creating this this grand overarching campaign world kind of thing, and it all takes place in Greyhawk uh, also. So that's which is kinda, one of my favorite yeah. settings and. Yeah, well, and now we would call this an adventure path. Yeah. You know, you're going to get a – if you're going with Pi-Zone, you're going with Pathfinder to spread the love out a little bit here. They are known for their adventure paths, you know. They'll publish them individually and then compile them into one, you know, giant book. And some of them are really cool. Uh, I am moving less and less or in favor of adventure paths. You know, I kind of want the standalone adventures yeah. and maybe and it's up to you to tie everything together. Well, a lot of what we talked cur- about at the beginning there, the, the whole idea that, you know, to sustain a campaign is just impossible. I mean, it always seemed to die. And so to have this big old, you know, seven course meal and you can't make it through the soup, you know, before it dies. I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and yeah, well, there you go. And. You just can't get through the soup, man. Um. Yeah, this the uh, the original <laughs> printing of this, uh, the one that was written by Gygax, it's it's fun, it's neat. I mean, it's more or less, here's this stockade, and here's a, a relatively simple but nice dungeon underneath, and uh, there's some neat elements going in it. The uh, the hill giants have enslaved a bunch of orcs, and you do get a chance to make that deal with the devil where you try to get these orc rebels that are fighting against the slavery to, to, you know, team up with you to help take down the hill giants. Um, it's got some other neat elements in it too, but it's, it's largely basically just a map and, uh, and the key to the map. And then the, the game master has to do with it what they want as far as what the giants are going to do to defend their stockade, 
and you know what the players might find out as they go along. And at the very end, if they make it to the true treasure room of the giant, there's this cool kind of magic item, this chain that when you put it in a certain formation, it becomes a, a portal that takes the players to the next game with the uh, the frost giants. Um, the uh, Again, I, I really prefer the Queen of the Spiders version of it, even though I don't own it. I've, I've looked through it, and uh, the thing I like about it is it actually puts all of them on a map in Greyhawk, shows where they are in relation to one another for all these different giant battles that you have to do. Um, and it, uh, it just really connects them together a lot better than, than the originals were. But again, they were tournament plays, and uh, I think that's part of their nature also, is that you know, it's one and done, you're not really thinking you know on the first tournament so much of how that connects to the next tournament because it's more or less just a new series of puzzles and in uh, confrontations that you have to get your way through um the, the story's not really driving anything there as much as as player choices and all that right yeah all right that's, that's, that's a lot yeah. the tournament thing it's a little it makes me a little anxious because of the timing of the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The timing piece. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that the, the few experiences I've had of playing in a tournament, uh, time's the biggest factor. I mean, you, you just keep looking at it, and oh, we're down an hour. I wonder how far we are. Are we close to the end? Are we a mile from the end? You know, what's, you know. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get a little credit. How about you guys ready for some deep credit? Yes. All sure. right. I don't even know who's doing what this week. I'm sorry. I, so in my uh, in my grand mix-up here, I have prepared. Oh, perfect. I have prepared uh, five giant-themed questions <laughs> for Thomas. Uh, oh, that'll be awesome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. All right. Here we go. Do you have any geek credit? <laughs> All right, Thomas. Um, I'm set. The, uh, the 80s alternative rock band, They Might Be Giants, released all of the following songs except for, here are your songs, Particle Man, Istanbul, Rock Lobster, or Boss of Me. Which one did they not release? Exactly. Rock Lobster. That's you B52. got it. Yeah. You got it. B-52 is very good. Thankfully, even I know that one. <laughs> All right. This one's probably a little bit tough. Uh, the largest human on record to have ever lived. Wow. How tall were they? These are your four choices. Okay. 7-8, 8-1, 9-5, or 8-11. Um... Read I can it to go, me again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, you got seven, eight, eight, one, nine, five, or eight, eleven. I want to go eight, one. Uh, it was eight, eleven on that one. Really? Okay. Yeah, I know 11, it was almost seven, nine eight. foot tall. Yeah. Wow. Uh, let's see. Uh, which city at one time had both a f- professional football team and professional baseball team? Named the Giants before one of them moved. 
Was it Baltimore, Texas, New York, or San Francisco? New York. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, the baseball team, the Giants, moved from New York to San Francisco. But at one mm-hmm. time, yeah, there's all New York Giants, pro uh, football and baseball. Very good. Yeah, that one I knew. All right, now this this one I think you got, uh, but it's the only one I, I have that, that doesn't have any multiple choice. you got to just give me the answer. All right. But I think you got it. Here it is. In what 1975 comic book were the X-Men reintroduced after a five-year hiatus, uh, including a team with Wolverine, Storm, um, Colossus, oh. and Nightcrawler? Oh, giant size X-Men number one. You got it. I figured yeah. you'd have that. Yeah. All Which right. I do have a reprint version of that with the silver cover uh, from the 90s, I think, when they did it. And I got the artist Dave Cockrum to sign it for me. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, did, did you actually get to meet him or was oh, it a yeah, drop yeah. and drop? He was at one of the Ash Comics shows. Really? Uh, here so in those are, I was going to say, those are the little ones that used to be at the Holiday Inn or whatever they're in India. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, uh, they're, they finally had their last one. He has closed up shop. It was right before the pandemic uh, hit. Yeah. And so, yeah, the Ash Comics shows are unfortunately no more. It must be fun. I mean, I, you know, I, I think I've only been to maybe two or three of them, but we uh, used to go. You, I, you went to most of them, I think, with me. Possibly so. Yeah, but they, I mean, it, it was just a real grab bag of who would be there, and uh, usually there's somebody interesting and lots of stuff to see. I've met a lot of really cool people there that were, you know, either quote used to be a big name or were on their way to being a big name at those shows as far as comic book creators. And, you know, I met Greg Land there, got a print from him. I met Dave Cockrum, Don Rosa, who did a lot of uh, duck work, uh, like Uncle Scrooge and Donald Duck stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, well, because Greg Land used to live in Louisville, which is just, you know, down the road. And, you know, yeah, small comic shows are also kind of a thing of the past, too, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, this is a depressing podcast. This is, I gotta say, the uh, <laughs> listeners, if this is your first time, uh, it, it's been better and it'll get better. This one's, this, we're just all feeling some funk. Uh, you know, we, yeah. You can commiserate with us. I'm sure there's people <laughs> listening that feel the exact same way. All right. Last question. If you get this, right. you got the geek credit. Uh, in what state was the famously faked sideshow attraction, the Cardiff Giant, supposedly dug up so let me ask you this are you familiar with that yeah but it wasn't a state it wasn't here in the states was it yeah oh yep it was, uh, i am familiar with it i don't know this, but keep going okay so pick one of these states louisiana new york texas or iowa uh, i'm gonna go with new york you got it yeah and that's the reason the, the connectivity there is that uh that's the giant that the teams named the giant were named after oh okay yeah. so cardiff is a i guess a county of new york or city i'm not real sure which and uh that's that's where they claim they dug him up at he was well just, i've watched a lot of doctor who and especially the new stuff when you say cardiff i think of you know england hmm you yeah. Well, that is Geek Credit, and once again, uh, you have successfully gotten it. Uh, cool. So I think uh, i got to go back and add the points up, but I think you're ahead by like six now or something like that. So good on nice. you. <laughs>
All right, folks, it has been a time. Uh, we will be back, uh, hopefully with better plans. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out what we're going to do for the next episode, if we're going to follow either of these uh, adventure series or go to something totally different. And there's still uh, mechanicians in, in the works uh, for us to play some BX gangbusters. That is not a dead thing. We're just really scratching our heads trying to get a, a group together here. So Yeah, just one or two extra people. If there's anyone listening and you're interested, you know, hit us up on Facebook. Yeah. And, you know, the idea, I've got a little idea. It's it's more than a one shot. You know, it depends on what the characters do. I've actually got a little story going on and we'll see how it, you know, plays out and stuff. Yeah, I mean, so. let's be honest, folks. COVID's still a thing, right? You're not going anywhere. Yeah. There's not much going on. Yeah. So uh, hit us up on Facebook. E- email us again, this old dungeon at gmail.com. Let us know that you're interested in playing. We will put a game together and we'll all have a good time. Yeah. Sounds good to me. So thanks for listening, everyone. Yes. Thanks, thanks. for listening. We'll keep on trucking. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. This Old Dungeon is copyright 2020. The views expressed on this show are the views of individual hosts and do not reflect the opinions or beliefs of anyone else on the show, the show itself, or even rational thought. We reserve the right to sound like complete asshats should the need arise. Submit all questions and complaints to thisolddungeon at gmail.com. Mileage may vary. There now. Ain't you glad you stayed? This is Lou Alu, and uh, welcome to Little After Hours Adventuring. Wanted to give you a little bit more bang for your buck. Oh, wait a minute. You didn't pay for this, so I'm just giving you something extra. Uh, I'm going to go through uh, against the Giants. Well, particularly, I'm going to go through G1, the steading of the Hill Giant Chief, a little more, and give it that uh, this old dungeon touch here. Um, before we get rolling on this, uh, against the Giants, was actually one of the first series of modules ever published by TSR. Uh, it was kind of done um, in wake of them learning that the Judges Guild was making all sorts of uh, money <laughs> uh, releasing modules for D&D. At the time, uh, Gary Gygax and the, the other uh, individuals at TSR, they didn't really see any point in publishing adventures. They thought that most game masters would be writing their own. And so when Judges Guild went out and started publishing things like City State of the Overlord and um, the uh, Palace of the Vampire Queen. Um, it wasn't a big deal to them. They didn't, eh, who cares? It wasn't money that they thought they could make. But then once they saw them be successful at it, they then decided to publish adventures. And one of those was Against the Giants, a three-part series taken from a tournament game at Origins 1976. 1978. Um... The three uh, modules, they can be bought separate. They can also be bought in the version that I have, which is called Against the Giants G1 through 3. Um, you can also get them packed together with the Descent into the Depths modules and Queen of the Demon Web Pits, all put together in one super module, uh, numbered GDQ 1 through 7 Queen of Spiders. And as I alluded to in the podcast, that is really, in my opinion, the better packaging of all this material. Uh, in GDQ 1 through 7, the, uh, the, the writers, Dave Cook and Jeff Grubb, they came in, they added to what Gary had written, 
They kind of gave more of a uh, scaffolding to the plot, made it so that you understood why the Hill Giants were involved in the first place with Loth's big, you know, demon takeover from the abyss of uh, the Prime Material Plane um, and, and how the drow got involved in that. So uh, really, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, if, if you've not already purchased this and you're looking for a version of it, that's the version I would lean towards. It's a little too meaty in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like when you're trying to get an adventure, um, the plot has to be so thick but not too much thicker. You know what I mean? Or, otherwise, the players just don't really seem to be able to follow along. You know, it's kind of like I, I call it the chowder effect. If the plot is chowder thick, you're good. If it's soup thin, it's too thin, it's boring, it doesn't offer much to the players. They, they, they miss what's going on, perhaps. Uh, if it's stew thick, where you can eat it with a fork, uh, it's too much to digest, too much to remember, and a lot of times it just gets left behind. So, um, Queen of the Spiders, it, it gets right into that area where it's maybe just a little too thick, too many moving parts, but really it's, it's about where it needs to be, not too far from it. Well, let's get on with Against the Giants. Uh, G1, the steading of the Hill Giant Chief. So a couple interesting things about this module. Uh, it does not have much of a plot. I mean, realistically, all it pretty much is is a map with the uh, map key details laid over. Um, it has a little bit of an opening where you hear that, hey, you know, giants have been attacking. They've, there seems to be coalescing between the Hill Giants, the Frost Giants, the Fire Giants, uh, all these different factions that normally don't get along. Um, aside from that, there's you know little else offered. The, the players are directed by a chief of a village uh, to go and uh, kind of investigate the hill giants and see what it is that uh, they're up to. Kind uh, of you know maybe get some uh, surveillance of their fortifications, maybe kill a few, bring their heads back on a pike, that kind of thing. Uh, and they're given this map. This is another thing that's a little odd. They're given this, you know, highly detailed map of the Hill Giant Steading, but there's no background as to where that map came from, who was it that was able to put it together, uh, and how it came to the humans' hands and now is being given to the players. Um, they head there. The uh, the chief of this Steading is Nosnra. Um, as you might know, Hill Giants are this slothen bunch that kind of. They're almost like the Neanderthals of the uh, giant population. That um, they're they're known to be really crude and just you know live in filth and all this. However, here they have this you know this palatial uh, stockade, right? This this you know huge rampart surrounded um, log fortification, and uh, you know that, that that's pretty abnormal. Normally, you think of hill giants living inside hollows of hills, uh, you know little sod houses. Or uh, you know, just kind of having haphazardly thrown together fallen trees to build kind of a little shelter. Uh, so there's another plot point that's not really you know expanded upon that, that could be used to help explain that you know these giants are really being um, used as part of the machination of a bigger plot. Um, later on, you'll you'll have some tips about a uh, a priestess by the name of Ekladara who's a, a drow elf. There's a lot of areas here where, where that name could be dropped in, where this um, allusion to a, a third party that's that's kind of weaving this web, if you will, between the different giants could be added in. And I, I think 
you know, these are some points where it could be, you know, ex explaining where the map came from. In fact, in Queen of the Spiders, it turns out that the whole um, attack against the Giants is actually something Loft wants the players to do because the, the Giants' plan goes against hers. And it was uh, kind of put into play by a, a warring faction of the Drow down in the city of the Drow. Um, so kind of maybe doing something with that. Um, having some kind of allure to the Dark Elves. I mean, you know, obviously most of us first and second generation gamers were very familiar with these characters and this this whole civilization. Uh, but there was a point of time where that was new, and, and these modules were that point of time. I mean, these were the introductory modules to this idea that, well, what if there were fallen elves that were, you know, living underground and were of an evil origin? Um, so having that experience, having, you know, maybe, you know, having some elves know that, oh, you know, there's these old folklores, these old legends or religious texts that refer to a, a group of elves that, you know, turned against nature and, you know, were cast down by the elven gods or what have you. And that might be neat to kind of put in there and then slowly reveal that, yeah, that's not just folklore or legend. That's, that's true. And, you know, the players are going to get a chance to confront this, you know, race of elves. Um, I think that's worth looking into, putting in there. Um, the map is interesting. I would have the map have something on it that allows the players to, to get some foreshadowing in that effect. Maybe some elven ruins that are clearly, you know, in an elven style, but unreadable to the elven players. Um, maybe the map was delivered by a Claudra, uh, you know, depending on how you want to weave the plot. You know, maybe she's working for Loth and, and trying to um, unhinge the giants. Maybe um, she's actually going to be using the players uh, in, in part of the plot to for Loth to emerge from the abyss and, and take over the prime material plane. Um, moving on, um, so your, your adventure begins with the players up against this massive fortification filled to the brim with hill giants. The game is four characters levels, 8 through 12, and it definitely uh, requires that level of power. Uh, most of these hill giants, uh, you know, they're 12 hit dice. Um, there's like 25 of them. There's ogres in there. There's a cave bear that's just a monster. Um, this this would be a challenge if the players go in guns blazing. Obviously, they hopefully won't. Hopefully, they you know use some stealth and some um, subterfuge to get through this. Um, the whole place, this the stockade, is kind of in this muddy valley of the hills, and uh, it's it's raining while the players are going there. There's these big mud pits. I think that's an interesting thing that uh, could be kind of dialed up a bit. You know, a, a mud pit's not a big thing for a hill giant that's 16 feet tall, right? I mean, it's like you or I stepping in a mud puddle. But to a character that's 6 feet tall, um, they could be walking up to this stockade and find themselves, you know, waist deep in mud and unable to pull themselves free. Um, that rain also makes it so that they're not going to burn these guys out. I mean, that was... I think one ingenious part on Gary's uh, writing that he decided, well, you know, what what's a player going to do? Well, they're going to go and they're just going to create mass havoc by burning the place down. Well, so these are big timbers and they're, you know, soaking wet and it's raining. Fire is unlikely to happen. So the players will go in. They'll they'll hunt through the uh, stockade here, uh, trying to figure out what's going on. Maybe meet the chief. Maybe meet some of his 
uh, upper echelon of hill giants. Um, there are some prisoners in this uh, stockade. There's a whole dungeon level below that's really nicely outfitted. And, and I really, I gotta say that, uh, that this has a really nice dungeon. It's a dungeon that's yay big, but not bigger. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not one of these uh, mega dungeons that go on forever and ever and have a million rooms that have no real point to them. Uh, it's fairly tight. Most of the rooms are interesting, have a point, have some relation to what's going on up in uh, the upper level of the of the stockade. Um, you've got some slaves down there that there's like a group of orcs that are being used as slaves, and that to me is an interesting dynamic because it gives players a chance to make this uh, uneasy alliance, right? To see if they can get some of the rebels of the slave group who have kind of snuck off and gone down these natural cave passages to help them overthrow the hill giants and release their, their orcan brothers. Um, there's also some uh, stone giants down there that are helping to make some of the cave works. They might be an interesting neutral party to talk to to find out what's going on amongst the giants. Um, beyond that, uh, there's this interesting little uh, torture chamber with a interesting uh, hill giant called the Keeper. Um, he's pretty cool. He's at area number two. Um, basically, they made him out to be like this hunchback, one-eyed, uh, crazy, uh, you know, executioner. Uh, it really brought to my mind uh, the executioner character in the movie Blazing Saddles. Uh, so I, I think there's a bit of comic relief that can be done there. Um, but he's he's definitely an interesting character. Um, there are uh, elf prisoners. Um, perhaps they know something of the Dark Elves. Perhaps you know they seem like they've gone mad because they keep proclaiming, you know, that you know the Dark Elves are coming, that they've returned, and that they, you know, wish to take over the surface again or what have you. Um, there is also an interesting little uh, ruined temple below this uh, steading, and that temple it's not really given much of a description. It's said that like when you face the altar, um, that these weird shadow forms like tendrils. Uh, appear on the back wall. I think it might be neat, you know, I, I feel like they were kind of going with a very uh, Cthulhu kind of feel there, but I think it might be neat to twist it back, make it, make it, uh, maybe make it a uh, reference to Loth. Maybe this is an old temple dedicated to her, and instead of tendrils, maybe they look like little spider legs crawling up the walls. Um, but just another way to, to hook it back in to try to make it make sense why this goes with this underground adventure we're dealing with elves. And this adventure in the abyss uh, on a you know interdimensional spaceship, <laughs> uh, a lot of craziness to try to sew all this together. But uh, you know, obviously, a good game master can. Um, what else? Uh, let's see. Uh, there's a cistern, and uh, it doesn't have it. But okay, so the cistern is an area in the dungeon, but it doesn't mention a well above ground. And I think that I would add that in, have it connect to it. Um, just so that there's another entry and exit from the dungeon, another way the players can sneak around the, the steading without always having to come into direct confrontation with the hill giants. Uh, other than that, um, it's an interesting adventure. It's got a neat treasure room at the end. There is an area that, well, one of the weird things is some of the special items in it. Some of the magic items and um, other valuables are hidden in weird places, and you see this a lot with early dungeons. The old, oh, there's a wand of fireballs uh, uh, tucked away inside the firewood by the fireplace. I mean, that's not this adventure, but that's a, a very typical kind of thing. 
Um, and you wonder, like, who would do that? You know, I, I get hiding something, putting valuables away, but just random places, it, it just it seems a little over the top and, and more or less directed at making things hard at the players instead of what would really happen, what, you know, what would someone really do to protect this powerful weapon or this, you know, valuable item. In here, there's a couple instances like that. There's a map of the steading that the players can find in the kitchen, hidden away. Um, I think that's a weird place for it to be, but I do find it interesting to have a map there. They, they already have a map, but I guess this one has more detail to it, supposedly. Um, I would kind of maybe revise that, maybe make it blueprints, because again, the uh, hill giants, they wouldn't be the kind of people, uh, society that would build this sort of structure. They're not that organized. They're not that uh, civil-minded. So maybe this steading was designed by the drow, and they were given the blueprints to create it. And uh, this could be blueprints instead of just a regular map, and it could maybe help, again, translate to, oh, there's somebody else behind this. And they, they seem to be some sort of elf, but yet this is an elven. Um, there is also an interesting teleportation device, which is, I don't know, it, it's a bit of a stretch to me, uh, it, you know, I'm, uh, luckily, it comes with a, a note that explains how to use it. Otherwise, uh, if the players can't read that note, if they don't speak that language, then they're, they're kind of out of luck because nobody would ever really figure this out. It's a chain that when it's put into an infinity symbol shape, a figure eight, uh, if you stand inside the loops of the eight, you're transported to the next area, which is the, the uh, oh man, I can't think of what it's called, the glacial rift of the frost giant jarl or something like that. Yeah, that... Uh, that's right. Um, so I, I don't think any players, if they're not able to read that note that says how to use it, I mean, who's going to do that? You know, who thinks that that's what this is? Uh, whatever. Uh, you know, maybe the uh, players have a chance to see um, some uh, commissars uh, either leave the Hill Giants fortress and go to the Frost Giants place or, or vice versa, and they see this in action. Um, that might be a, a better way of demonstrating its use and then they have to then break it out of the treasure room to be able to use it themselves um, in the end uh, it's again there's not a tight plot here it's just here's some hill giants in this fortified area go and do something about them and if the players come at it with a uh, sense of hack and slash they'll probably end up dead because uh, again uh, there's 25 of these guys they've got huge hit points there's lots of other dangers um, they they seem to be pretty well organized. They've got some uh, they've got some pets that are dangerous. The uh, cave bears that I already mentioned, uh, and I want to say what well, oh man I can't believe I can't remember this. I want to say it's dire wolves that they also have. Um, so you know this is going to be a game where the tactical player is going to have the upper hand. Um, beyond this, you get into the Glacial Rift of the Frost Giant Jarl, and then eventually work your way to those Fire Giants uh, in the Hall of the Fire Giant King. And then it's assumed that after that adventure, you then go into the Descent of the Depths, including the the, uh, the three adventures there. Um, and then finally, after you go to the Hidden City of the Drow, you end up uh, going to face Loth there in the, the Abyss itself. Um, Personally, my first contact with this game was with Queen of the Demon Web Pits, which is the final uh, adventure. Uh, I bought it when I was really first starting off in the games, 
and I didn't really get the concept that you know there were adventures that were linked and I didn't really take the time to read the back of the book I just saw my hobby store shelf this module I hadn't seen before and uh, Queen of the Demon Web Pits man that just sounded cool to me it sounded like oh man that's going to be a fun villain to fight uh, so I bought it and then when I started reading it I realized wow this is really out there um, I've used it before actually uh, back when I used to play Spelljammer uh, it kind of fit well into that paradigm so we uh, came upon the spider ship that Loth has in that uh, module and dealt with it on there. But uh, overall, um, I think these modules suffer, interestingly enough, a lot like the Slave series does in you get repetition. Fighting giants in the giant uh, fortress. Fighting different giants in a different giant fortress. Fighting more different giants in a yet different giant fortress. And that's not to say you won't have fun with these modules, and it's not to say that they're not interesting, but um, I, I just, that's one aesthetic I didn't like about some of the old school modules, is a lot of things are done uh, at nauseum. Uh, and I, I complained about this with the uh, Keep on the Borderlands, that I felt like if it wasn't dialed up differently, if you didn't really differentiate the cultures of the different um, uh, goblinoids that lived in that area, that it was just going to be a slog. And I feel the same thing's true here. If you're going to play these games for against the giants, you've got to really dial up the difference in the giants. You've got to figure out you know, how the mind of a hill giant is different than the mind of a frost giant versus a fire giant. And I think there's some human cultures that can be kind of patterned in there. Um, you know, obviously, you can with the frost giants, most people go towards a Nordic kind of feel. And with the fire giants, a lot of people kind of look at like a Scottish sort of take on those. Um, but again, you got to really play in that flavor, or else these games are going to get real mundane for the players. Uh, and as we talked about in the uh, podcast, the size and scope of playing Queen of Spiders and going through all seven modules—that's uh, huge. And to be able to have a group that can get together consistently and get through that without losing their attention or, or uh, zeal for doing it—kudos uh, to you if you can make that happen, because that is tough. All right, man, I'm going to quit yakking your ear off. Thanks for checking us out. Uh, we look forward to adding some additional content. I'm looking at actually doing a special episode with my buddy Christopher Tupa, who's doing some gaming art for me for the release of the uh, Dare Luck Club Adventures. Uh, we're going to talk gaming. He uh, He's actually the one that got me into Dungeons and & Dragons, in, in a sense. So uh, look forward to that, and uh, we'll talk with you later.